Welcome to Arise Life, a community of believers being equipped, empowered, and released into their destiny. For more information, go to arisealife.org or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Well, I have a prophetic word for some of y'all. Thank you. Um, And um, I didn't mean to get it. It was accidental. Um, And the word is this. Um, You see where you fit in this story, but... um, about, gosh, when was that? I guess it was Thursday. I went to Kroger. Was it Thursday? Yeah, Thursday. I went to Kroger, as you do, and I got out some cash uh, to, uh, you know, to pay some. Uh, Danya, Danya trims our dog's toenails regularly, and I pay her for the joy that we hear of the dog wailing. Um, and... Um, what happened is I went to get the money out. I got $60 out, uh, and uh, I was talking on the phone with someone. It was an amazing conversation, and um, uh, later that day when I went to open my wallet to give the money to Danya, I realized there's no money. So I apparently left $60 at Kroger, and, and, well, and I was like, Jesus, uh, what do you think I felt? Guilt, embarrassment, shock, disappointment. I'm just going to go. I felt stupid. Um, I, I really did. I was like, wow, way to go there, tiger. You know, and I was like, Jesus. But I'm learning this thing of not jumping to the conclusions because my conclusions when I jump off a cliff right into hell. And so instead I was like, Jesus, what do you want me to know? And he was like, it's not a big deal. There's, you know. I was like, oh, I'm receiving mercy, right? I failed, but they'll, whatever. And I guess, Lord, I just bless whoever needed $60. <laughs> and uh, I went about my business. Um, this morning, I went by uh, uh, the Kroger, and I stopped in, and I said hello to Patricia, who's there. I was like, hey, Patricia, she, we're doing something. She goes, did you leave some money? <laughs> And I was like, yeah. She said, I've got it. She goes, oh, and you also left a dozen eggs and some body wash. I was like, and probably my shoes. I don't know. I I was like, I'm like, my head, if it wasn't screwed on, I was like, I'm sitting there and I'm just like, I'm like, oh my gosh, thank you, Jesus. I thought mercy was enough, but here you're giving me grace. When you said, don't worry about it, I figured we'll get by. But instead, you were covering what was my mistake, my lack. Anybody feel like there's grace for accidents, but not for stupidity? Like I kind of, I earned this one the hard way, the old fashioned way. No, no, no. Jesus did not suffer and die on the cross for the people who, oops, I stubbed my toe. The very first person to step into the kingdom was a murderer on a cross. Today, you'll see me in paradise. And I just feel like there are those of us who are facing financial hardship because we've been dumb. Don't blink. There's grace even for that. When we quit trying to clean ourselves up and we just say, God, I've screwed up. What do you want me to know about this? And I believe there are many of us will see restoration in financial areas in that way, even in this season. So if that's you, grab a hold of that. That's free. Woo! Well, 
I, 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 I've got to stop saying this, but I'm always amazed how what we're planning to speak of shows up in the worship songs over and over again. We talk about, you know, tear our walls down. And um, I was just thinking about this whole issue for us of the walls we build because of expectation, right? Uh, I'll give you an example. I was listening to this comic and uh, she, by her own admission, is deeply broken. And she said, I was going to my therapist and my therapist said, you know, you are a self-fulfilling prophecy, perhaps. She goes, what do you mean? She said, she's like, is that like a superpower? She goes, you expect all of your boyfriends to cheat on you, so you treat them like they're going to cheat on you until they do. And she went, oh, so you're saying I'm a witch? <laughs> Perhaps. Because fear partners with manipulation and negative expectation to produce the result we're looking for. Can you write that down? <laughs> I actually have it as a tattoo. <laughs> I'll say this. Fear plus manipulation and a dose of negative expe expectation In the words of, 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 uh, of Job, what I feared has come upon me. Anybody had that, had that, um, that, that, do you, anybody know the pleasure of rightly predicting something horrible? You know, <laughs> right? Like I was right. I told you it'd be horrible. Isn't, isn't there like a perverse pleasure in that? Can we, nobody? Just three of us here are like, I'm not going to admit it. Like, I might be a witch. No, no, but the interesting thing is where, okay, let me put it another way. Anybody had this situation where you are trying to be different and people won't let you be? Let me put it this way. Is I can't trust you until you prove it to me that you're trustworthy. So let me back up. Why would somebody say, I can't trust you? Past experience, right? Right. I actually, and so let me, every negative expectation began as a positive expectation, right? Because you actually had to trust them to get your trust broken so you don't trust them. Does that make sense? So I don't trust you because you showed me you're not trustworthy. Boom, right? Because I trusted you and you broke my trust. But stay with me, if I, if, so here's my question, if I have shown you I'm untrustworthy in the past, is it possible for me to prove I'm trustworthy in the present? No. What is the level? What's the level? What's the level that makes me truly trustworthy, aka never capable of hurting you again? There's no level, is there? Anybody been in those kind of situations where you feel like there's a standard you can never measure up to? Oh, I'll trust you when. Right? Oh, you know, some of us are going home to those standards at, on Thanksgiving. Anybody know what I mean? 
a we remember. Anybody have a past that people won't let you forget? Negative expectation, right, comes from a positive expectation that was broken. But here's my question. Does anybody want to be more than you've been? Expectation is the, I will say this, I'm I'm mixing up what someone else said, but I would say this, expectation is the death of joy. I'm just going to walk you through some of my own interior uh, conversations with Jesus. Um, Anybody you're willing to commit if you can guarantee the outcome? Yeah, I'm willing to sacrifice if I can get X, right? And God, and so I have these conversations. God says, go do X. And I'm like, got it, Lord. So if I do X, we're going to get Y, right? And he goes, maybe. Well, then I can't do it. And this is what Jesus has said to me. He said, if you have to con- get, if the only way you'll go is if you're guaranteed a good outcome, the only way you can control the outcome is not to go. The only way you can guarantee that it won't turn out well is by trying to control the outcome. Let me, and this is the image he's been giving me. Now, I'm not an electrical engineer. So, Anybody here, you have God whisper to you things, you're like, is that actually a thing? Turns out it's a thing. So he said, he showed me this picture of electricity traveling down a wire. He said, what is, okay, for the sciencey people, what is electricity? Electrons that flow from one end to another and cause a reaction at the end, like light, right? We send this string of electrons down the pipe. Now, here's the weird thing. If you're sending electrons down that, that, that wire, I can't guarantee which of those electrons will reach the end. Many of them just dissipate in heat. It's called conductivity versus superconductivity. And I didn't realize how much, but watch this. You know, in America, we, in our, in our electro, electric plants, we produce... Of the electricity we produce, 65% of it never leaves the, the place. 65% of it dissipates. So only 35% of the electricity they create even gets into the wires. But then massive amounts of it dissipate along the way. In heat, anybody seen um, uh, electric wines sagging? It's because they heat up both from the air, but also from the heat that comes off of their, the, the conductivity where the, uh, where the electron bounces off and leaves. So we have this, we have these, and only a few of the original electrons ever reach us. Only a few. Now, if my thing is, I'm not producing an electron unless I can guarantee it will reach the end. I'm done before I begin. I'll only be obedient if it's going to give me X outcome. I'm only going to love if they'll receive my love. 
I'll only go there if it will work out. I'll only, who are my people? And what happens is over time, our expectations bring us to a smaller and smaller place. Do you know why anybody here rediscovered the joy of Christmas through the eyes of a small child? Do you know why they have joy in Christmas and you and I don't? They have no expectations. They're like, Pretty lights! And we're like, yeah, somebody got to pay for that. <laughs> it's a present! And you're like, it's a pony! Yeah, but you got to care for that, right? No expectation, just joy. But over time, our positive expectations, which are absolute, right? It's got to be this way or nothing. And turn into negative expectations, I'm not doing that. I'm not going there. I don't do that. I don't do that. And you get to a smaller and smaller and smaller place called death. I don't know about you, but I don't want to live there. Masha brought up this amazing point. By the way, it's going to get bad and then it'll get good. Just to warn you. But Masha brought up this great point. We were talking last week how Jesus went home to the Nazareth synagogue. And they had a little, you know, potluck for him. He was on the menu, roasted and flambéed, right? They wanted to throw him off a cliff. Do you know, Mary had probably been dreaming about finally my boy is making good. He's now a super rabbi. He's coming back. Oh, Martha! Take a look. Here comes Jesus, my boy. He's coming. Do you think she had some expectations of what that homecoming would look like? Do you think it involved them trying to kill him? Hopefully not, right? Some of you are like, mama, mama, I don't know. No, no, no. She's like, oh my gosh, this is not the way she expected it. Masha made this great point. She said, and Mary had to go back to that synagogue next week. That is not how I had this planned out in my mind. And when things don't happen the way I planned them out in my mind, what happens to me? Withdraw? Disappointment? Defeated? Give up? Huh? Run away. run away, run away. Yeah, that, I'll be honest. You know what I, I really thought? This is, this is the way I read it. She, she went and visited Elizabeth again. She's like, I'm done. Forget this. I'm going to go hide out with Elizabeth. Right? Run away. What's the point? Why bother? Anybody had those? But it happened to another guy. In Luke 7, we see John the Baptist. Jesus has just raised a man from the dead. Not a bad Tuesday, right? Jesus is like nobody's seen anything. We get used to Jesus. They were like, what? Right? But John the Baptist is the one who was the first one to say, this is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one. He took his best disciples, Andrew, and sent him off to follow Jesus. He's like, all in. Jesus is the one. But John the Baptist got involved in politics. And he called out a guy who wasn't even a Jew, 
for not being moral. Herod, who slept with his sister's, his, his brother's wife. And ended up in prison. By the way, I'm just going to say this right here. You have a voice. You can't use it for everything. You have a, I, I, this is a word. You have a voice. What did he give you that voice for? When I waste my voice on things he didn't give me that for, when I waste my energy on areas he hasn't called me to, I lose my voice. Anyway, so John the Baptist is in prison. And, um, and he's in prison. And uh, I don't know, I love the chosen because he's, he's such a great John the Baptist, isn't he? <laughs> Like, I was like, yeah, that, that's my John the Baptist. He's wild, you know. Anyway, and so he, um, and he sends his disciples Jesus, and he says this interesting question. It's been a year or two since he declared Jesus is the Lamb of God to take away the sins of the world. And he sends his disciples and says this interesting phrase, are you the one or should we wait for another? Now, let me ask you a question. Wasn't he the one who declared that he was the one? Why do you think John the Baptist got confused about whether Jesus was the one or not? Expectations. He wasn't expecting. What do you think he was not expecting? Or what do you think he was expecting that didn't happen as far as Jesus was concerned? Say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just boom. Yeah, he didn't expect the whole throwing you, your family throwing you off. Yeah, he expected it just to be one and done, simple. Just walk right in Jerusalem. I'll take the throne from here. Right? What else? He didn't expect to be in prison. See, I'm all for God's plans. But just so, to be clear, what's my part in it? Right? Remember what the disciples are following Jesus for? To get themselves thrones? Right? I've never followed Jesus for what was in it for me. I mean, I don't know about y'all. And you know how you find out you're following him for the goods rather than just following him? You, when it doesn't happen, right? I'm like... It's all about you, Lord. None about me. All about, why didn't you do this for me? True. So John the Baptist did not expect to be in prison. Or that long, right? You know, he thought just a night, you know, they'd bail him out in the morning. But he, it's interesting is Jesus does the most annoying thing, by the way. When you're struggling, Jesus is annoying. Just so you know. You just don't be surprised. He just is. Because he doesn't sympathize. He's compassionate. He says, here's the way, walk in it. He doesn't go, it is horrible. You you are a pathetic human being. He doesn't agree with you in your stupidity. He calls you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And so what he does is he quotes Isaiah and he says, he he declares all the good stuff about Isaiah 61, I'm here to proclaim free, you know, the year of the Lord's favor and blah, 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 blah. But you know what he doesn't say? He doesn't say, I'm here for the release of the captives. The one thing that John the Baptist would like. If God is talking and won't talk about the one thing you want to talk, we're my people. 
you put God in timeout. I would submit most of the time he doesn't talk to us about what we want to talk about because our mindset is so skewed we won't understand what he's talking about. Because our, this, here, can I, oh, you don't do this. This is the way I talk to God. God, do this. Pure expectation, right? The only good is if you do X. Nobody? Just, there's one way, Lord. He's like, my way. And I want to say this again. The thing about expectation is expectation is absolute. All or nothing. Right? Either do it or don't. Anybody found that life's a little messy? Like, no, so a pure expectation, we make life pass fail. And God's like, mm, Is any, I go back to this. Is any one of us 100% trustworthy? But we can grow in being trustworthy. Not a single one of us is perfect, and yet we can grow in that, can we not? But I can't grow in that if your demand on me is perfection. So now I'm bringing it back to me, because it's all about me. Leading a church, I got into a place where feeling your expectations of me became, and failing your expectations, you know, uh, was killing me. And do you know what happened? What do you feel when somebody has an unrealistic uh, expectation? Oh, by the way, you know how I knew what your expectations were? Told well, some people told me, but most of it was just discernment. <laughs> Anybody know that spirit? It's not the spirit of Jesus, by the way. Anyway, and so I was just like, I, I can feel it coming off of you. And uh, um, you know what happens when I feel I'm failing your expectations? What do we do? Try harder? Disengage? Do you, you try to quit? Do you guys not fail people's expectations? What's the answer? <laughs> No, come on. You guys, I swear you've, got, you've done some field research in this area. What happens to your heart when you fail somebody's expectation? Shame? Feel like crap? What's that? Shrivel up? Makes it. What do you mean by that? Ooh, that's good. Whoa. If you didn't hear that, you make a decision either to bail or to re-engage or whatever, right? You renegotiate the contract, right? Now, the greatest thing of all is God determined that he would not leave us alone, but would provide us with ample opportunity to navigate this. It's called relationships, right? When you fail me or I fail you, which by the way, if you're, if you haven't, if you're in a relationship and nobody's failed anybody's expectations, you're actually not having a relationship or just, it hasn't been longer than five minutes, <laughs> right? Because we all have expectations, both spoken and unspoken, right? And I always say this relationship only begins when you fail. 
Because then I have to decide whether I want, make that choice, whether I'm willing to have the relationship even though it's not the way I pictured it in my head. And in that moment of just feeling disengaged, it, I, I, I can make you my enemy. And in doing that, you don't get to judge me. You don't get to expect anything of me. Anybody been in that place? What happens to relationship in that moment? Done. What is the means by which God does everything in this world? Is through relationship with him and relationship with each other. And I, I cut myself off. And when I cut myself off, I find myself in a smaller and smaller place, colder and colder, till the lights go out. All right. So, come back next week for hope. So, great question. Carol asked, how do we spark the spark back? So, who is the only one who's 100% trustworthy? Jesus. But what do we do if we've judged him? Who here has felt like God failed you? Yeah. <laughs> right? So what do we do with that? Well, one of the things I want to say with that, because really it all starts with him. He's the only one trustworthy. He's the only one worthy of our hope. But even with him, our expectations can be wrong. Bring it. Okay. Gird yourselves up. Ooh, I, I'm just sharing my own stuff. I mean, this is it. I, I was just, yeah, I was talking to Jesus, and he was like, wow. I realize that I have judged him on so much stuff. Right? Like, he, I had this expectation. I'm so visionary. I'm such a, a vision person, so... Like, I can see it. I can see a picture. Of the future. Of the future. How much do you think I get to see that, that picture come to life? Not that much, right? So, I have, you know, I have an expectation of when, like, for example, when is revival going to be here? Right? Right? Like, he's not on my time. I don't know what he's thinking. <laughs> Jesus. Right? And then, I, and then I have to come and tell him what a poor job he's doing with his church. <laughs> Are you getting too real? Come on. Come on. <laughs> and just, I mean, just the whole state of the world, honestly, Jesus. I don't know. If Masha was the Messiah, she would have had this thing wrapped up by Tuesday. Like, seriously, what's going on, Jesus? I, I'm like, Jesus, I don't know. Um, yeah, and he was kind of like, yeah. You remember that conversation about 15 years ago about the job of the Messiah being taken? Okay. I just don't think you're doing that good of a job, but... Right? Because my expectations, because of what my picture is, what it should look like, what it should be. I'm like, Jesus, mm, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if you're doing that good of a job. Right? I mean, let, like, be real right now. 
because it sounds scary to say it, but that's where we really get in our hearts and we disconnect and we don't trust anymore because we're like, hmm, who made you be in charge? Like, you're not doing a good job. You're just not. Like, look, you know, I expected this and this and this and it's not there. Am I getting into anyone's stuff? Yeah, my stuff, right? <laughs> and I can choose to stay with my expectations. Like Jesus is going to let me be. With all of my picture frames of what things should have looked like. Or I can re-engage with him and release my expectations and say, not my will, but yours be done, right? Like I'm going to choose to follow and obey, no matter if I get to my perfect picture of how I imagined it. You know, Jesus called the disciples to be fishers of men. Notice he didn't say, he didn't tell them which men. Uh, going back to this, I've said to Jesus, I'll obey if it will work. God said the only way to guarantee that it will work, the only, that work. It, the only guarantee is it won't work if you don't obey. There's this thing, I'm like, I'll only go if. Mm -mm. He said, but, but here's the spark. You guys ready? This is a spark. So you, you, you don't get back to hope by guarantees. That's the first thing. But there is, there is one guarantee. And it is Romans 8.28, one of the most abused scriptures. <laughs> that God works all things together for good, for the good of those who love him and are called according to their purposes. Does that mean everything that happens to you is good? But he works them. He transforms them. He creates them. He recreates them. As, as Joseph said, what you intended for evil, God has reintended for good. God transforms those things. Literally every part of my life, both success and failure, that I surrender to him, he will transform to my good. But I won't, all I'll have is failure. If I disengage from God, I will find myself in a smaller and smaller place. If I'm, I'll only obey you if, no, God, I will obey you and I'll trust you for the outcome, regardless of the outcome. And like I said, you know, you, I can't tell you the number of times like, I trust you, Lord, I'm obedient to you just for your sake. And then it doesn't happen the way I expect. And the way I know is because I'm like, God. But in that moment, he gets me set free of that part and he turns it to good. As I come back and I say, God, obviously I was trusting an outcome. I wasn't trusting you. I choose to trust you. I would submit, I would really encourage you to read Romans 8, 18 through 28, right? Because context. 
where it begins where he says, I do not consider these present sufferings to be worthy, to be compared with a glory that is being revealed. You know what the glory is? Glory is when you look like God in the earth. Guys, <laughs> being revealed. <laughs> being, it's like a dimmer. You're like, we're at 1%. <laughs> okay, 0.01%. 0.001%. Being revealed. If the only past score is 100% revelation, we're done. But if I can say, okay, God, I do not consider these things I'm faced to be worthy with bailing on you, with bailing on the plans you have for me, bailing on the people you have on my life. I don't consider the things I've suffered, the things, the failed expectations to be worthy. I lay them down and I say, God, not my will, but yours be done. I trust you that you are good, that you transform all things in time. I'll give you an example in healing for me. Uh, I've, I've told you guys many times, I, you know, the only way we began to see healing is I said, I've heard that people who believe that it's always God's will to heal, they see healings. And then we prayed. That's not my faith. It's the faith of a person of a faith, right? And yet I began to see healing. And so I started to get excited, right? Yay, people are getting healed. Little bit, little bit, little bit. And then people didn't get healed. And instantly I pulled back. I couldn't pray for healing anymore because it wasn't a slam dunk. God goes, well, what about all these that already got healed? said, what is in the words of Babe Ruth? You miss 100% of the pitches. You don't swing it. What? Michael Jordan. <laughs> I think it's been re redone, yeah, several times. But Michael Jordan said, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. But, but that whole thing is the only way to thing you can guarantee is that nobody will get healed. The only thing way you can guarantee that your heart won't be hurt is if it never lives and never trusts. The only way you can guarantee that you won't suffer loss is to die and get it over with. But, not my will, but yours be done. God, my hope is in you, the maker of heaven and earth. And part of that, stay with me, has to do with the afterlife. This is really important. Most of the time, we either live two ways, either as Gnostics or practical atheists. Let me explain what I mean. Practical atheists is I live in this life as if there is no life to come. I live for me. The only good outcomes are the ones I determine are good and are good for me. I'm the judge, jury, and executioner right? The other is this life doesn't matter. All that matters is life to come. Anybody grew up in one of those churches? You're like, you know, it's like the deacon's beating his wife, but hallelujah, he's going to heaven. You're like, hello, I'm confused. Nobody. I don't want to go to his heaven. Whichever heaven it is, I don't want it, right? No, 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 that's Gnosticism. That's a separation that the spiritual is somehow doesn't touch this world. No, that life is a continuation of this. This is school. Anybody remember being in high school and you're like, I can't wait to get out into the real world and start making some money. And then you're like, I want to go back to school. <laughs> right? 
No, no. Like, like literally, you have this fan. You don't, you don't know. You didn't know what the adult life was like, right? You're in school and you're like, wow, it's just, you know, do whatever you want. And you're like, apparently not, right? <laughs> we are in school. We will graduate into the life to come. And what we have gained in this life, we carry into eternity. What we've begun in this life, we continue into eternity. It says there's a new heaven and a new earth. We're not up on clouds with harps. We are, it says we live in a new heaven and a new earth in the presence of God. What is that? Anybody who says they know is smoking something. No, the Bible is unbelievably uh, picturesque, but nobody knows what the pictures are. But we're trying to see, aren't we? The reality is this. If you have a vision of heaven that does not empower you to live today, you don't see correctly. But we live today and we invite others to live today in the light of his glory and grace, trusting him that if we are not seeing what is promised now, we will then. We see in part, then we will see fully. We, we, embrace, we experience him a little bit, then we'll see the fullness. But when I stand as judge, jury, and executioner, I can't enjoy that. And so that image to me, one of the most powerful is one of the early martyrs, I think it was second century in Carthage, I've shared it before, was Barbara. And Barbara was 18 years old and her father told her, he was horrified that she became a Christian. So he tried to make her marry a pagan priest and she wouldn't do it. So he said, fine, then go to the lions. She said, okay. And when the she got people saved in her prison. And when the lions came, she went, she was singing with joy because she knew something of heaven that we don't we see death as unmitigated tragedy it's not true but if death is unmitigated tragedy then this life is a complete waste there is no point to this life because all suffering you know, in the words of princess bride life is pain your highness anybody who tells you differently is selling something and then the whole point of life is comfort and to somehow alleviate the pain no god has called us to be bearers of his light and likeness in the world to call those who are in darkness out of darkness into his marvelous light but unfortunately for you and them his light is this little light of mine like the little light if you've ever been in a cave when they turn out all the lights it's pitch black and then they light a single match the light glares in the darkness. And the light darkness was unover, unable to overcome it. That little light I have is the light of the face of God in the earth. And you and I get to bring that. But we cannot be bearers of his hope if we are enclosed in, and dying in our hopelessness and, bro, and, and impossible expectations. So Father, we stand before you now broken admitting we have demanded of you we have sat in judgment of you and each other lord we are wounded we are hurt and because we have so many negative expectations because we faced so many of our expectations broken but lord we lay we surrender our expectations at the foot of the cross and we say not our way but yours your way not our will but yours be done we've tried our way it doesn't work god Forgive us. Forgive us. 
Lord, we surrender you our pain. We surrender to you our failures. We surrender to you the expectations of others and the expectations we've had. We surrender to them to you and we say, God, let Romans 8.28 be true. Work all these things together for my good and I will not judge you on what that good is, but I will trust you to do, make all things beautiful in your time. If we can have the worship team come up Let's all stand, but I feel like this is such a, I feel like there needs to be a response to this. I feel like so many of us are just stirred up with so many expectations coming to the surface, so many um, lies that have been damaging our relationship with God and with people, and we just really need to um, release them this morning. So I feel like, I feel like just this altar is open. Just come and like actively lay down uh, your disappointment, your offense, your our failed expectations and just say, Jesus, I just give this to you. I give this to you. Give, tell me a better story. Tell me another word about all of this. Just come and release. I feel like it's very necessary. For more information, go to AriseLife.org or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram.